0: good morning, right? Go ahead and stand. We're excited to be together. Um, It's cool. I'm doing this discipleship group and one of the big things we've been learning a lot about, I mean, and I don't know, it's just cool when you get with new group and you kind of just, I don't know, there's something beautiful about how the Holy Spirit like teaches you stuff you've already been, you've learned before, but it's in this new way and then something about Jesus just busting and stuff. So it was just cool putting this set together because we have a little of the Holy Spirit with kind of Jesus all throughout, which is so good, right? <laughs> so anyway, I'm going to pray this in, and then maybe you'll understand, but I think it'll work. So God, I just ask that you will just set your Holy Spirit right on us. We thank you for what you bring to us when we need it exactly, and that you know us better than we know ourselves. And so God, move of our lives. In Jesus' name, spirit I love that Jesus left the spirit for us and as I was preparing this morning I um, this verse just came up it's Hebrews 12 therefore since we're surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses let us lay aside every weight and every sin that clings so closely and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us looking to Jesus the founder and the perfecter of our faith who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. And I just really felt this like beauty of the teamwork of the Godhead on our behalf, right? He left the spirit for us so that he could live in us and do more than we could ever ask or imagine on this earth through his power. So I just want to ask that you just kind of receive, be in a space of like, okay, I I mean, I want to know God more and deeper and he wants to know you so much more. And so just lean into all this and um, let the personality of Jesus just rest on you as well as the Holy Spirit because together it's just this beautiful, beautiful space that we get to be a part of every day, every moment if we sink in and let it be. (音楽) We'll be right back.
1: back. Is my firm foundation, the rock on which I stand, when everything around me shakes. No, he won't.
2: exalted one, Jesus. Your name is like honey on my lips. Your spirit like
3: a beautiful truth, that we don't just have to talk about God this morning, but that we, if we want to, can meet with him. And I don't know what your week looked like. I don't know what your yesterday looked like. I don't know what you're bringing in today. Here's what I know, is that we all stand in the need of something. And our God is a good God, and, and I believe this to my core, that, that God wants to give good gifts to his children. And that's you and me. And one of the places we communicate those needs, one of the places that we communicate with our Heavenly Father is through prayer. And so I just want to encourage you if you're coming in this week feeling like you need to receive something from God or you need Him to show up in some way, I just encourage you to take a seat in some way. And what you might see is other people, maybe you don't even know them, coming around and either extending a hand or putting a hand on you. And that's just our way of saying that none of us should have to go through this thing called life alone that we are designed to be a spiritual family we also have a team who is leaving this friday as a mission trip out of our church to our care point in ethiopia they're gonna gather with um, 160 kids and their guardians in ethiopia that we support and so if you're a part of that team who's going i just encourage you to sit too we just want to pray for god to use you and meet you in that way let's go To God together in prayer. God, we look to you today. Heavenly Father, first and foremost, every single day we train our eyes on you. That we don't look horizontally for what you can only give to us vertically. And we say this in faith that you have everything we need to live the life that you've called us to live. And so, God, I pray for every single person who's seated. I pray every single person on the sound of my voice. God, would you reveal yourself to us in the most real way? Would you help us? Would you hear our prayers? Would you come rescue us speedily? And would you lead us in the way everlasting? God, we specifically pray for uh, the team that's being sent out this week um, to Ethiopia. God, we know that you're doing an incredible work, a kingdom work in Ethiopia. So God, I just pray that this team that goes would be an encouragement to those who who are following after you, spreading your kingdom, being the hands and feet of Jesus. God, would you give them everything that they need this week? Would you be with them? God, we also just pray for other organizations who are in our area, in our community who are who are doing your work. God, we lift up um, organizations like Love and Action. God, we thank you for their faithfulness. We thank you for their reach um, into our community and how they help those um, who are in in the gap, um, needing some assistance. And so, God, we just pray that you would bless them as they bless others, that you'd give them everything they need as well. Finally, God, we just pray for ourselves. Would you open up our hearts? open up our minds for the word that you have for us today we pray all of this in the mighty name of Jesus and everybody said amen Amen and amen well if you are in the house you can take a seat my name is Evan I'm one of the pastors here I'm so excited that you're here joining us for this weekend you picked a great day to be in church I do want to give a special shout-out to those of you who are new or who are here for the first time in a long time. Come on, church. Can you show them some love? Let them know that we're glad you're here. We really do. We hope you feel right at home. And this service was designed with you in mind that we'd love for you to be a part of what God's doing here. We'd love to connect with you. The best way we know how to do that is through our connection card. There should be a card right in front of you. And the seat back in front of you. And if you want to fill that out sometime throughout the service, whether you're new or whether you're updating information, wanting to take a step in any way, the connection card is the best place to do that. And you can, at the end of the service, bring that connection card to our connection point in our lobby. If you're new, we have a gift we'd love to put in your hand. Just say thanks for being here. Um, We also have an event next Sunday after both of our services for people who are kind of on their way in here at All Shores called Explore All Shores. It'll happen after both services next week. We'd love for you to be a part of that if you're checking us out. Uh, We also, the end of this month, Tuesday, October 31st, we are partnering with local businesses in Spring Lake, um, other people donating candy, and we're putting on a community-wide fall fest. At Tanglefoot Park from 4 to 6 on the 31st and so um, if you have little kids or grandkids or you want to invite your neighbors we're going to be giving out cider and donuts and candy and a lot of fun activities just as a way to bless our community we'd love for you to be a part of that if you're looking for ways to partner or if you want to bring candy whatever that looks like just um, go to allshores.org and you can find ways to partner with us there This is also the time of the service where we give back to God, recognizing ultimately that everything we have is his. And we give a portion of that back, really with the belief that what we can do together as the church is so much more than any one of us could do alone. And so if you want to join us in that today, the ways to give are on the screen behind me, or there are boxes attached to the wall as you leave. We just want to say thank you. Thank you for your generosity for your sacrificial giving. We're so excited about what God is doing, both in our part of the world, but across the globe. Well, we have a great rest of the service planned for you today. Don't miss the shout out about what's happening here at our Spring Lake campus tomorrow night. Let's turn our eyes to the screen for what comes
4: next. Hey, All family, whether you're new to us or you've been here a long time or somewhere in between, any part of our family, we want to invite you Monday night, October 16th to a core night. It's at 630 at our Spring Lake campus. And as a bonus, there'll be pizza at the end of it. So we get to eat together too. A core night is a time that we gather together to be encouraged about what's been going on and where God's leading us. And I'll have a chance to tell you a little more about my time on sabbatical as well. Please join us on Monday, October 16th. Welcome those of you joining us online and all of you here today in the Spring Lake campus. So great to be back with you after a season of sabbatical, and I'll talk a little more about that as we get into the morning. But I want to invite you, before we open the scriptures, to simply pray in the quiet. Wherever your posture is, however, where you are kind of in your relationship of pursuing Jesus, whether it's struggling, whether you have doubts, whether you're moving towards him, whether you'd say, I'm fully in relationship, we believe God speaks. We don't believe it'll be something I can convince you of or even be eloquent in how it's stated. Trust me, you'll be clear that's not true. But we think God moves. So we want to ask you to pray that he'd speak. And then I'll pray for us together. You pray first in the quiet. Lord, I ask that you would move, that you would speak, that you would lead, and that we would receive today whatever you have for us individually, in our own connections with each other, and as a group. And Lord, I pray, anything that I have to say that's not from you, let it fall to the ground, let it be forgotten. But I'm asking that whatever is from you, Lord, that your spirit will awaken us, reveal yourself to us, transform us, and grow us, into the very people you've made us to be. I respond, Lord, with the words of the psalmist, that the words I speak and the way we respond in our hearts and actions would please you, our rock and our redeemer. And everybody said, amen. Well, before we get into really a two-week series, I'm going to try and give you a few things that were significant in the season away. Uh, I want to just thank you to begin with and let you know it, it really is so meaningful. And this is now the second season of sabbatical I've had in the 24 years here, and I've also watched our team get to experience them at different levels. And what I was so taken by in this last run with all of you was how encouraging, supportive, and really desiring you were. Like, we're so glad you get this time. We want this for you. And, and that just means a lot as one of your pastors to you go, thank you for being a community of Christians that want the health of, our, of all of us. And then I, I wouldn't be remiss not to thank our team. I It's been so fun to hear. When I went away eight years ago, I remember thinking, man, I hope they still need me when I get back. Um, and that was not a problem when I got back. <laughs> not meaning a horrible thing, but it was just like, oh, I'm, this time I was like, I just hope they still want me to come back. And what I had such joy in was hearing how many of you said, man, the team did such a great job. We have a lot of great leaders here. And so it's great to go, none of us are needed, but we're all desired, aren't we, to be in community. And so I just want to say thank you to our team. Yeah. And all that happened. Yeah. And and I will share a little more about all of that. I want to just remind you with tomorrow night, we have a core night. It's here at the Spring Lake campus at 6:30 to 7:30. And then in case you didn't know, we're actually offering pizza afterwards. Yes, pizza to all of you. So if you don't even want to hear me, just wait an hour and you can have pizza. But we hope you'll be here because it's a chance to share a little bit more. Don't worry, I'm not going to like show you pictures from my trips or anything. It's not like that. But hopefully some things that God did beyond what I'm doing right now, which is a little more of what I think might be meaningful to all of us and to hear what God did in the church and where he's going. So Please come tomorrow night. We'd love to have you as a part of that. Having said that, I am going to take this week and next to do a little bit of overview of things that were significant to me that I think can apply to all of us. And so we're, we're building off of this idea of Shemitah, which is literally a Hebrew word. And it's it really is the word that you get sabbatical from or the principle of it in the scriptures. And so before I get into it, before this week's a little more of a, here's a bigger picture. And next week I'll get into some very specific thing that was meaningful to me. Uh, I just want you to consider with me what we think of when we think of sabbatical. Because oftentimes, like for me, the first hearing I read of sabbatical, it usually was in an educational environment. Like oftentimes professors or different people in universities get sabbaticals, and what it's code for is it's actually a learning leave. They go and write a book or they do research, which is not what a sabbatical is. That's a learning leave. And then churches that were adopting this early where they did it, maybe 10 or 15 years ago, often felt you have to have some results orientation or it's not truly a sabbatical. So they made them be educational. And I'm not saying that's not a good thing. That's not what sabbatical is. And then for many of us, when we hear sabbatical, we're thinking, well, I wish I had one. And why do you get one? And I'll never have time. or I won't have this. So it's easy to go, how do I even relate to this? So before we get in and look at the scriptures, I want to first just remind you we all have seasons that are different, that offer different places of rest. Let me give an example. How many of you are hunters? Just raise your hand if you're hunters. Hunters don't like to raise their hands, but I did see some of them. Thank you. That's why I'm like, I'm not raising my hand. So it's interesting. When you talk to anybody, and I've talked to more men than women, but, but it, it, it's true for both genders. Anybody who is a, is a hunter in the fall, you will hear them often say, this is an anchoring time in my life. Something changes in the fall when I'm out and away see, in my belief, if you probe into it, often is there's something that happens that doesn't happen in another part. It's a season that's different. Make sense? Let's think about it with our kids and when we were growing up too. Did we not have summers, most if not all of us? Was that not a season that was different? Think about this. When someone goes through an injury or an illness, sometimes you enter a recovery zone and it actually is a different time that is a different kind of experience and offers a different place of rest. I would tell you, too, that though it doesn't sound pleasant, I had one more sabbatical other than the two of it here, and it was when I got fired from a church. Yes, you don't think of it as sabbatical, but when you don't work for six months, you are resting. Now, I would tell you it's a stressful sabbatical, I'm not lying, but there were things that happened that are also similar in rest. So I just want to be clear, there are seasons of rest, and then there are also rhythms of rest, and there's something in this. That's what I'm hoping you'll see today. And so before I get into the scriptural foundation for it, and really just... Kind of three different expressions I experienced with it that they're not meant to be exhaustive, but maybe exemplary. I just want you to consider, do you need to hear this today? And so I'm going to give you some potential ways, I think, if you fit any of these categories, you need to hear what I have to say today. So let me use the first one. If you are a get-it-done kind of person, if you don't value wasting time and you always want to achieve, you might need to hear what we have to say today. If you are preoccupied that your mind is always going and planning and just a portion of you is present in what's going on and you're always working or thinking somewhere else, I think you might need to hear what I have to say today. If you're someone that says you don't understand there's no time for rest, you don't know what my life is like or my role is right or what I need to do, I think you might need to hear what I have to say today. If you are getting crusty, and you may go, crusty, what does that mean? Crusty is my vernacular and code word for when the ugliness of me begins to show itself much more readily and easily. In other words, for me, it's I get more angry, I get more harsh, I get more sarcastic, I get more negative, and quite honestly, the, uh, the worst part of me comes out. You might need to hear what I have to say today. If you are anxious and stressed much of the time and you're just thinking it's too much and it's too hard, I think you might need to hear what I have to say today. If you carry regrets and failures and think I'm always working to make up for, and maybe if I do enough, I'll finally be at a place of equilibrium, you might need to hear what I have to say today. And then finally, if your days go by day after day, and you look back and don't know what even happened all day, whether you escaped, whether you were just playing around, whether you felt like you made poor use of the day, any of that you might need to hear what I have to say today so i 'm inviting you to participate, not to dismiss and go, well, if I had a three months i 'd be able to, but is there some learning both from me and from what I think scripture teaches that might be helpful to you? So with this, I want to simply give you the biblical foundation of this idea of sabbatical and Sabbath. And I'm going to look at it in Exodus. It's in Exodus and Leviticus. It's in two of the basically the ways that God tells Israel how to live and how to conduct themselves. And this is the part in Exodus. It's Exodus 23. And we're going to look past the actual passage. We're going to look in four verses. So there's two here. I'll show you the next ones too. Because there's a partnership with these two ideas that weaves them together and gives us an overview, I think, as well. So this is what Basically, God tells Israel through Moses, he says, for six years, you're to sow the fields and the harvest, the crops. But during the seventh year, let your land lie unplowed and unused. Now we'll come back to all of that means, but it's the idea they rest too. You do realize if the land rests, they rest because they're agricultural people. Then it also says, the poor among your people may get food from it and the wild animals may eat of what is left. Do the same with your vineyard and your olive grove. Now, before I go on, it's not central to what we're going to talk about, but it is central to Scripture. When God moves to make things right in Israel and give them places of rest, he always makes sure they engage and help everyone. The foreigner, the poor, the forgotten, the forsaken, they're always included in it. You hear it in this passage, right? I just don't want you to miss that's a part of how God moves. You'll even see this when we look at what God comes to do. We often try to make these What does the government do? We're arguing about who needs and doesn't. Not even interested in that. Just know for God, rest is everybody. Now you'll see it when we get to the next part too. I just didn't want to miss it, but it's not central. He's now talking about a Sabbath year, this idea of a one every seven. And now he goes back to the rhythm of it. Hey, six days you're to do your work, but on the seventh day you do not work. So that your ox and your donkey may rest, so that your slave born in your household and your foreigner living among you may be refreshed. By the way, do you see how everyone from great to to struggling is met in this practice? I just want you not to miss that. Again, it's not central, but I think it's interesting. Be careful to do everything I've said to you. Do not invoke the names of other gods and do not let them be heard on your lips. In case you don't know, the idea of Sabbath and sabbatical were very central to Israel's well-being. And this is one of the things they neglected and they wandered away from God. That's a, it's not, again, central, but I don't think you should miss. There's something about this invitation and this rhythm and this season that God gives us that's supposed to help us. And it also, if we don't do it, it really can create significant problems for us. And I told you, this week we're going to look at kind of an overall idea of what this means. And then next week I want to take one particular thing that God was very specific for me on that I think will be helpful, but some applications for that. So we're just going to look today at this overall idea. And I'll just go back to what it said. This is the core of it. Let the land lie unplowed and unused. So it's really two words. It's Shemitah and then it's the idea of natash. It's the idea of let the land fall, let it just rest, and then don't leave it alone. Don't do anything. Because... There were two things. One, they worked the land, but they also fed it. They did other things. And he's saying, just leave it be. Don't do anything. Now, for us, that's hard to understand, isn't it? Especially, especially because we don't live in an agricultural world. And I, I want to say this before we get into it further. Can we just agree that if you look at all of history and all the things people had to endure and deal with and all the strife they had, You and I have more conveniences and more helps than anybody has at any one time in history. Can we agree that we're the most helped and most comfortable? And yet as a people, we're also the most tired and least rested. You know that's messed up, don't you? Like, can you disagree with me? We're messed up. Let's say it together. We're messed up. up. You said it very strongly and very powerfully. I'm proud of you. Because I'm telling you, at 9 o'clock, they did not own it. Now, maybe they were too tired to own it at that hour. I don't know. I made them say it several times, so I felt like they did it by the end. But well done. Well done owning your mess. We are seriously messed up people, aren't we? Thank you. Have a good day. Now, so what I found as I started to contemplate this, and I was contemplating it going into my sabbatical, was that uh, I didn't really consider what happens in the land when it rests. So I, I decided to go back and research, even, over, even going into it and on it. And, and this isn't exhaustive, but I found it fascinating what happens to land when it rests for a year. And, and what's crazy now is, do you know that farming areas harness this principle strategically, and they do things to even enhance it, but these are just general things that happen when land rests for a year. So let me, these are just four. It's not exhaustive, but let me tell you some of them. One thing is that did you know that nutrients get replenished in the ground when it rests for a year? What it means is ground over time loses nutrients as it's developing fruit and feeding, and that break restores the land. Tell me that's not cool. Good. I'm glad you like it too. Also, did you know soil is repaired? That soil itself breaks down and can't even function the way it's supposed to. Not just the nutrients in it, but the soil itself breaks down, and something about the very nature of the soil is restored. So Just make the comparison of soil and what we call the soil of your heart, which is kind of your inner being. And just consider, do you think there might be parts of your life that have broken down from the sheer pace and exhaustion and constant demand or even constant escape that we do that could kind of erode away at the soil of your life? We agree, don't we? Like, we know it intuitively, I know in your mind you're going, this is never going to happen. I could never do this. Remember, it's a season and a rhythm. It's a season and the rhythm. I'm giving you the season, but the rhythm is the ongoing way this is growing in us too. Here's two more. The next one, which I thought was interesting, I didn't know water absorption is, absorption is restored. Apparently, as soil breaks down and as nutrients do, water does not, the soil doesn't, isn't able to grasp the water. So lots of water runs to other places and even creates negative things environmentally, which basically means it needs to rest so it learns how to drink again. Drink water, by the way, just in case you were like, I don't, you yeah, know, we're not, this isn't an escape. Uh, but it's, that's crazy to me that God ordained it this way and orchestrated it. There'd be seasons of slowing down and resting. And then this final one is that harmful pest decline. Apparently, as a, as a, as a land breaks down over its overuse or constant use, pests will be able to begin to enter because of the breakdown, and they actually feed off of what's breaking down. So when you give the soil a rest, those pests can't breed as easily and they begin to decline. So let's pause, even though we're not going to go over this today, and just consider this. Think of how many hidden sin issues we all have or even propensities towards them. What I called crusty earlier, but we all are crusty in lots of ways. And guess what? If you don't slow down, did you know that you're creating an environment where those things that are destructive can grow and feed and increase? Did you ever consider that slowing down and resting is a recalibration to learning what's good and right and protect you from what is wrong and destructive? Crazy, isn't it? I'm not giving any more of that today, and that's probably enough, but we're going to go on because I've got more to say. But I, I found that fascinating. I'm still kind of pondering what that might mean. So all of this, this year of rest, what it leads to is this more fruitfulness. It's crazy, but the land is restored, and it actually can do more because it rested. It works out of rest. That's what we always talk about around here. So I wanted you to get the principle. This is what happens. If it happens in the land, and I'm not trying to codify it like it's this, so this is how it translates to people. I'm just going to give you, we're going to walk through kind of what this might mean for us. And so I, I consider it this way. What does God do in us through rest? What does God do in us through a season of rest? And what does God do in us in a rhythm of rest? Because they both matter. We become more desperate for seasons and we don't have rhythms, but they both play a purpose. So, all I'm gonna do is I'm gonna share with you three things I discovered in this time of rest, and I wanna kind of give you the, the big picture before I give you the three. I want you to be clear, these aren't exhaustive. I'm not saying these are the three that will happen. I'm saying these were three I discovered. It's much bigger than this, it might be different, but I think you'll find these are meaningful. At the center of them, and I still remember one very specific quiet time I had during my sabbatical where I kind of felt like I didn't know what to do to kind of process some things. And my only prayer was, God, I don't know what to do. Would you, would you give me? Would you help me to receive? I'm, I'm at the end of myself. All I can do is receive. And I can't tell you, it wasn't like the heavens parted. It wasn't like God went, oh, and I had the sudden awareness. But walking out in that day, something shifted in my soul that I knew he'd done something, but I couldn't quantify it and I couldn't point to it. I just knew it was different. The root of it was I came to the end of myself and I just received. That's a principle. I want to be really clear. There are times we come to the end of ourselves and we receive. We come to the end of ourselves and we receive. And in case you don't know, that, by the way, is the foundation of the Christian life. And we go, yeah, I receive, but now I better get to work. So having said that, here are three things... I'll go through that I found significant during the season of rest, and I hope they're helpful. The first one is what I just called comfort, kind of comfort healing and, uh, and just uh, really restoration. And I want to be specific about this because we all have areas of this in our life. Um, I think we all get hurt and kind of wounded from life. We have pains. We could say some are self-imposed, some are things we suffer. And one of the things I realized in more recent years is I am a highly loyal person, like you really, I I had to get fired from a job, it was so bad, it was like, I was gonna stay there anyway. Like they're just like, no, please go. I'm just so loyal, so I'm a lifelong loyal person. Guess what happens when people come and go and tell you all the reasons they come and go, and some people tell me things that are really harsh and hurtful. Man, you just kinda get beat up over it. I, I will tell you too, it was very interesting going into sabbatical. I mean, you guys weren't even just supportive. You were like, we are so glad you get this. Now, I don't know if you are just looking at me like, God, give that dude a break. Or if we all just knew, we have lived through some really contentious, painful things. And if you're like me, like I've been misportrayed, misunderstood, kind of vilified. Like those are just things that hurt. And that's not even just in our personal relational world or what can happen in our work life. Like we have all sorts of these and I go, and, and I don't want to say this like you don't work at them. So I'm naturally prone to, I'm going to journal about this. I'm going to process this. I'm going to ask the Lord what I need to do. Those are all important. So don't, don't get me wrong. I'm saying don't do anything. But what I found was there are just some things when you're beaten down and you're hurting that you can't do. That your therapist can't fix. That your friends can't walk through. That God himself needs to do. And and I can't tell you here's the event, but I can tell you over the three months in that season of allowing myself to be still and just not try to do things, I could tell God was rebuilding and doing something. And so this is a verse, just one of many, I think typifies what I'm trying to say can happen. And this is... Peter writing to the early church and he says, he's just talking about who God is. He says, may the God of all grace who called you to his eternal glory in Christ after you've suffered a little while will himself restore you and make you strong and firm and steadfast. You hear the building up in that? to him be power forever and ever, amen. I always loved, like, I got so taken. I, was, I thought about leaving the last verse off. But the reason is he's saying to him be power and glory forever is because he's experienced being torn down and having these parts that are just beaten down and knowing how God restored and rebuilt and made him stronger. Like, isn't that crazy? But you realize that whole verse is God did this? You realize the point is I can't do anything. I'm to the end of what I can do. God, you I'm asking and all I can do is receive. You get the, p- the picture of it? See, if we don't give space to slow down and rest, we can't receive what he has to give us because you and I are so busy running. And what we look for is, can God give us a quick fix or a quick pill or a quick verse that will somehow keep us going, but we never let him do what he can only do when we stop. Like, it's an environment, we don't allow it to happen. That's the first one. Let me take you to the second one. The second one I would just call replenishing and renewing, and I'm distinguishing it from kind of places of wounding and pain to just the weariness we get from life. Can we all admit that we get more fatigued throughout our lives? Probably some of you younger are like, not me. I, I, I remember when I was younger and I'd have wear and tear, I just kind of pushed through because I could keep pushing because I had enough energy to push. At 58, I cannot keep pushing through like I used to. And I'm not convinced it was a good idea back then, but I did it. i like, there are places where we're just weary. There's cumulative fatigue, and then there's also what we go through that is fatiguing. Like, as I looked at my own life, I go, you know, I deal inordinately with a lot of deep things for people. Some of them are wonderful, and some of them are painful, and some of them are tragic, and some of them are traumatic. But it kind of wears you out unless you detach yourself from it, which I'd never want to do because we need to be present with each other, right? And some of us just have that in our own lives. We can have a death of a parent. We can have the loss of a job. We can have an estrangement with a child. We can have a marriage that fails. We can have all sorts of things. We can have an illness or even a decline in health, and we just get tired. I I will tell you that this one actually became centering for me of all the things on sabbatical uh, because, and I don't know how to describe it other than it was a moment I felt a revelation from God. So I don't mean to sound like the heavens parted, angels sang, God spoke, and there's wonderful reverb on it, and it was powerful. It was just a thought. But to me, it was very clear. And and don't mistake, I I would weigh that against Scripture. I don't want to be like, God says it to me, and that's what it means. But it was clear of this. I sense God say, listen, this is a season of rest. Don't try to dictate what's going to happen from it. And don't even profess that you'll know it when it's done. The way you'll know it is what comes out of it. Remember that the land's more fruitful. So I look at this and I go, it was clear to me, I needed to release even my expectations of what would happen in the season. And just go, God, I just want to be present with you. And and there were spiritual things that happened, and I'm going to share a little more of that tomorrow night and next week. But, but I want to be clear, it was kind of a releasing going, even with the church. Like, we have a good vision right now. I didn't feel like I had to go and go, God, what are we supposed to do? God's given us great vision. It's how do we live it out. So I didn't come in with this angst. But I just went, I think God's telling me to just rest. And he's going to do something I can't explain. And I won't even fully understand till I'm out of it. And, and you get to be a bit of the measure of that. Because you'll decide over the coming weeks and months, do you see anything different? And I'm not looking for approval, but I'm like, you. You said, now I would tell you even more than what I do here is what the people around me see. Do my family see something different? Do those I celebrate and relate to, the people that I love and am reaching out to that aren't followers of Jesus and my friends, well, they see it. That's kind of my metric for it. And it's just more, I'm trusting God's going to do what he wants to. Now, you know that's very backwards in our culture, don't you? I mean, you didn't make a plan and have three steps for how you're going to get there, and you didn't have some way to measure your outcome? Nope. But it's true. I know it's true. And those are the things we often miss because we're not willing to let go and trust God's the one that does it. This is one of my favorite kind of places to go with Isaiah. It's a very familiar verse. And again, there are many of them, but it's those whose hope, and it actually can be the word wait as well, who wait in the Lord, will renew their strength. They will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not be faint. The idea of being at rest to discover replenishing and renewal is so foreign to us. And, and I don't mean to say, I know some of you would go, I'm fed when I get things done. I go, that is great. And I'm not saying you're not, but that is not the same thing. Make no mistake. I'm glad you feel good when you get stuff done. It's a different ministry when God meets you in things you don't do and only he does to breathe life into you. Because if if your only impetus is I get things done to be a person, then your only value is what you accomplish, not who you are. And we're in trouble at that point, all of us are. Let me take you to the final one. Uh, And this was very simply rediscovering relationships. Uh, And I don't mean to say I don't know anybody, but it it is a different level. So Pete Scazzaro, who's been a, a great, I think, voice in the church right now, of how we live in a much healthier and maturing way, uh, has been both a mentor just in reading his material and then through some other connections, I've been able to actually have some personal mentoring and even help other pastors with what he's said and done. And one of his great questions he always asks is, am I fully present or distracted? It's a great question. And I wish I could say it the first time I heard it, but I heard it in a much more loving and caring way in my family when I'd hear things like, where are you right now? Oh, oh! did you hear what I said? Are you aware I'm here? Because I've lived much of my life distracted and somewhat present. Can any of you agree that that can happen? Yes. And, and please don't agree and point to someone else that they're the one who's distracted. I know that's true too, but just own it in your own life. We live pretty preoccupied and pretty distracted. We do. And, and what was crazy to me was not having other demands... It wasn't just I gave space. It was how do I actually become present to the people around me? How do I get to know the people I'm in relationship with all the time in a deeper way? How do I prioritize being engaged with their life, not simply wanting to get done what I have to and along the way do some things that are meaningful? Like It was just so powerful. and I'm going to get into more of this next week because I want to be specific about some very... Very strategic and tactical things that happen. But let me just remind you of this. This is one of many verses. In John, he's saying to all of us, the early church, listen, the message you heard from the beginning, we should love each other. Jesus has two commandments. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. And you cannot do this if you're not present and you're not discovering people. You know, in the New Testament, there are over 100 times that it says one another's, and 59 of them are commandments. Because all a big part of what they had to focus on in the early church was we don't know how to actually be present and loving to each other. And here's what I found, and I'm continuing, hopefully, to stay in and discover is there are people around me that are incredible. And their dreams and their hopes and their wiring is not mine. And until I know them, I can't really love them. And it even began to span out to people much more so that are different than me because I take people that are different and I vilify, quantify, and compartmentalize them. Can you and I agree that we have to come to the end of ourselves to ask God to help us to receive how we even love and care for other people and know them? I, I am very clear, at my core, I am crusty. And I don't think I'm more crusty than you, so I'm accusing all of you of being crusty as well. I don't think we naturally can love in a fully present, selfless way. But I think when we slow down and rest and say, God, I don't know how to love, would you start to give me your eyes and your heart and your mind for people? Something can change. That's inexplainable miraculous. And in case you don't know, that's where Jesus brings the hope of the world (laughs) in people that love that don't make sense. But they love because they're like him. And I go, I don't know how to get there running and being preoccupied and always doing until I both have seasons of rest and rhythms of rest where I discover I need you. I can't do this. I told you this before we left. My prayers, I called them 911. I think they're just prayers of full, relentless suppression, of of, of basically of needing him. Like, I can't do this. I don't know what to do. In some ways, I think it's easier when you come to the end of yourself than it is when you think you can get it done. And I want to take you back to Jesus and probably one of the central messages he gives. This is, again, one image of it. But he says in Matthew 11, Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. He doesn't say, come to me in this certain way and do these certain things and you'll get rest. He says, just come when you don't know what to do and how to do it, and let me give you rest, receive rest. Here's the crazy part about our faith. I think if I asked many of you, you probably could explain it from an intellectual standpoint. And if you don't, don't feel badly, but most of us understand we are broken, sinful people that cannot fix it or pay for it or redeem it, make it better, no matter what we do. So we believe that God sees us in that and loves us. And Jesus comes in the flesh and he lives on behalf of us, a life that is sinless. And he dies to basically take the consequence you and I can't take because guess what? We're to the end of ourselves and we can't do it. And so we're dependent on him through his forgiveness, not just to be forgiveness, forgiven, but to have new life by his spirit. That's the simple thing we believe. And then after we believe it, we go about doing everything really hard and trying to please him and achieve for him and achieve for us and do everything else. We ignore the foundation we live in. You know that's crazy, right? You know that most of us do it a lot? No? I'll just tell you we do. I don't even need your support. I've been on sabbatical. You don't like it? I'm pretty rusted. I don't care. Throw, a ball, throw something at me, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> Like I do ache over it, but I also know there is no way to discover this unless we increasingly find ways to have rhythms of rest and seasons of rest where we cease and we realize we can't and we ask to receive. It is counterintuitive and it's true. I just, I don't want us to miss this. I, and, and don't worry, if you do today, I'll keep saying it for the next however many years. I won't say the same thing every week. But it will be there. Jesus invites us to be with him and to receive from him. I'm going to invite you to just say, what do you need today? And you close your eyes and we're going to pray. And so, Lord, I'm asking that you'd speak to each person with what you have for them today. Even those places are like, I don't even know what to do. Would you meet them and just be with them? And, Lord, maybe it won't be a momentary thing. Maybe it will be a thing over time. But let them begin to discover in rest how you're there, how you restore, how you're there and you comfort and you heal, how you're there and you reconnect us and rediscovering and loving relationships and how we know you. So, Lord, for any here who don't follow you, may they take that initial step to receive your forgiveness. And just say, I can't do it on my own. I can't live the life I should. I want you. I want your forgiveness. I want your life. Would you help those of us who say we believe it, but we live as if we don't? Maybe some of us even need to say, I don't even know how to slow down. (laughs) Would you meet him in that? And in all this, God, would you speak? Would you lead? Would you transform? Would you minister? And would you pour out love that we are healed, restored, redeemed, built up in you? And living differently from. And I pray this in your name. Amen. We always, when we open scripture, try to give you a space to allow to respond. So I'm going to invite you to stand. And we're going to worship and celebrate communion. I'll, I'll tell you more about that. If you don't have the cups, we have them out in the hallway. And we'll have them every week. If you miss it today, it's okay. But what we're doing is while we're worshiping, and the words we focus on should be helpful even in what we talked about. But God may be saying other things would you receive even as you worship. So let's... Respond to him as we worship.
2: I've heard the accusation. I've heard the propaganda. I've heard the lies they've whispered to my soul. But I have been forsaken, and I'll always be. You
4: you to be seated for just a few minutes. Hopefully you grabbed the cups when you came in. The top layer is the bread and the bottom is the drink. Uh, If you didn't, we have them every week out there. We say this around here that communion is open to anyone who wants to respond to Jesus, whether they're following or searching. We, We tell you there's no membership stipulation. And we also don't want you to feel obligated if you're like, I'm in a place I don't know what I think or where I am. We're not asking you to fake it or pretend but we're inviting where you're ready. And so what we do is we follow the tradition Jesus created on the night he was betrayed. He took bread, and it always, I love that we use a flat bread that is like the Passover bread, that the bread is without leaven. Leaven is sour, and so it was to remind the Israelites of the sourness of sin, and it also puffed the bread up, which is a big picture of the root of sin, which is our pride and self-elevation. That we understand that leads to the problems in our life. Jesus, the bread is flat of who he is, and it's pierced. It reminds us of his suffering and his death and the wounds he had. On the night he was betrayed, he took it, he broke, and he said, he gave thanks, and he said, this is my body, and it's given for you. And guess what? You and I don't do anything. We just receive. We receive his love and his very life. Let's take of the bread. In the same way, on the night he was betrayed, he took the cup and he said, this is a new covenant in my blood for the forgiveness of sins. Now when they drank of it, they all knew, because it was true of the cups in the ancient world, when you drank together, you shared a destiny. And so the cup is both an image of our individual forgiveness, but Jesus' bloodshed brings. It's also an image of our collective community. But guess what? We drink together, and this is better than any other kind of drinking we could have. And it's meant to be a drinking that's expanding and meaning our missional life is to help other people discover how much Jesus loves them and has life for them. We want others to drink with us. That's what it is. Let's receive as well. And so, Lord, whether it's felt or whether it's just something you do and not even fully known or experienced, would you pour out grace on us even as we celebrate the centering of our faith in what you did in your death and resurrection. And God, would you meet us even as we sing and close out our time together. Speak, lead, and help us to be an audience to the very words we sing. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's stand and sing together. It is so good to be back together, and so good to just hopefully encourage you along the way. We were singing that last line. This is so weird where my mind goes, but I was talking about how God's written, His basically written on our hands. I'm like, you guys, you guys have a spiritual tattoo. You are tatted up people for Him. I love that. I just think that's awesome that God would write on us. He loves you. He wants to do things that you cannot do. And he's saying, will you give me space? Will you quit believing a lie that you have to run and run and run and run? And will you trust me when it's quiet? Because it's scary, but it's powerful. I want to give you a blessing. And I want to remind you tomorrow night we'll be hanging out here at 630. To, I think it will be a meaningful time. And we always love the core nights that we have. So I hope you'll come. Whether you're just here, whether you've been here a long time, anywhere in between, we invite everybody. And then next Sunday, as we look at this next week and the second week of this, I'll invite you back. Let me have you place your hands out now. May the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ continually fill you with his spirit. <laughs> oh, may he do things that you cannot and may you not only receive them, but ask for them. And may you find new rhythms of rest and new seasons of rest in him. May he speak to you tomorrow and the next day and the next day and may you receive and respond. For his glory and your joy. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.